This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap for Friday. It's the 15th of September, 2023. Coming up, we're talking all about Lego from CNIB and more of your feedback. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, how are you today? I am beautiful, sir. I brought you a coffee, Mr. Scott. Anything else you need? Uh, well, I, I don't know yet. I haven't decided what my rider is going to be. Uh, yeah, I know. Just off the hot off the heels of the TV show. Oh, I'm a star, superstar. Uh, no, I'm just in my own head. <laughs> Honestly, so so here's the thing, right? This yes. is this is how your family bring you down to earth with a bang, right? This is how it works. So I come off the show last night. We are riding how Marco Flalo and I, we host the first episode of Access Tech Live on AMI TV. We're so happy. We come off. Everyone's cheering. The control room are happy. Everyone's just glad it's over, I think. And we get... <laughs> get off here, everyone's calling and saying, oh, that's so great. And we're getting all these wonderful emails and people getting in touch. We've watched the show. And then my wife calls and she says, mm, had a good day. And I'm like, yeah. I know where this is going. Yes. And she's like, uh, yeah, so had a good day. Thanks for asking. I'm like, okay. I was getting there, but you know, kind of big yeah. day here. Why? What happened? I uh, you know, <laughs> hosted the first Access Tech Live. Oh, was that today? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> then I call my mum, right? I call my mum later on just to check in, as you do. Always call your mother. And, Every day. And uh, I call her and she said, um, oh, you're doing TV now? I didn't know that. <sighs> Have you been talking about it for quite a while? Clearly not no, enough. No one listens. <laughs> no one's listening to a word I say. The most important uh, thing yeah. is, is to say, you know what? I'm actually doing a, a live TV show for an hour this time. Please, please. No one ring. Don't call. No one, no one call. Don't me knock my door. Just for that hour. Just yeah, for yeah, the hour. Okay. Please leave me alone for the hour. And <laughs> it you makes know, no it, difference. It, it doesn't make a difference. And it was funny because just at the end of the show yesterday, and I don't think our, our viewers would have picked up on this, but someone around here has just bought a motorbike and decided <laughs> about two minutes to the end of the show, thank goodness, that was the moment they wanted to do spinning in the streets with their motorbike. And... Uh, yeah, that was interesting. But uh, yeah, it's the joys of working from home, right? That's the joys of working from home. It was very good, though, Stephen. I've got to say, both you and Mark, it was very good. You know you know how good it was, Stephen? That you I watched went, it. I, I, well, not only that, I watched it. And um, I also went on X and I X'd it. I no actually way. tweeted it out, you Stephen. That's. That's is that what you say now? I don't know. I'm not, but that's probably the first time I've been back on for a while. But I found the live stream on YouTube, yeah. which worked really well, by the way. You, I, I, I was reading the uh, comments as well. People mm-hmm. were commenting, which was fantastic. So yeah, you did a, a great job, Stephen. Oh, listen, dude, I have absolutely nothing to do with it. I want to thank everybody who was on the team, and frankly, everybody at AMI, absolutely, who yep. uh, made that show possible because you know. One thing you realise when you work in radio is you're kind of on your own, right? When I started out in radio, 
It was always just me in a room on my own with tons of buttons and kit to play with. And it was great fun. And you get used to that. You get used to that level of control. But in television, it's a different world. You just don't, it doesn't work like that. You you have to give control to other people. And that's not easy for me, right? Because you're just no. I'm so used to pressing the buttons. <laughs> but actually, it is easier when you realize there's nothing I could really do here that would be of any meaningful value in regards to the television. It's not like I can say, hey, uh, you know, put that B-roll up or things like that, that I don't really know what any of that means. But yeah, okay. Just, you know, it's, it's a, they talk a different language on television. But I have to say huge respect to the control team. Stacey, our wonderful director, Michelle Dudas, uh, the supervising producer, Marco Flalo, of course, my co-host, all the people who sat in the room, Kyle and and uh, Jordan and all the people who were involved. I don't want to start names because I'll miss everyone out. But honestly, Sorry, is this the Oscars? That's Calm right. I'm thanking now. everybody, including uh, my mother who made me. Uh, now, but yeah. We may be sounding a little bit self-indulgent here. But, yeah, um, I apologise. Yeah, no, 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 no need to apologise. It's just uh, we're excited by this and uh, I, I think it's great. Do you know the thing here, right? So this show is the only, I think the only technology show on earth that is focusing on technology from a disability perspective. I don't think there's any other TV show on earth that's doing this. So we're quite unique and we're bringing it live every week. And we've got, you know, and you know, on the first show yesterday, and you can watch it on YouTube. Don't worry if you missed it, because it's on YouTube. It's on AMI-TV. It will be replayed there. It's also available on AMI, uh, the AMI app and also AMI Plus. Um, I'm learning about all these new areas because, of course, we don't live in Canada, so we don't get a chance to really get, get into all this stuff. I know it's really irritating. I, I honestly feel AMI should be a worldwide network. I genuinely believe that because I think the work that AMI does yes. should be recognised worldwide. And it is recognised worldwide to a degree, but I think it's a network that should be on air everywhere. It should be, it should be compulsory that every country should have AMI. There, I said it. No, I totally agree. I mean, joking aside... I'm, I'm not joking. I'm serious. Yeah, no, yeah, no I, I, I totally agree. But I mean, how many disabled people have this kind of opportunity thanks to AMI? Well, that's the point, right? It's more than exactly. just programming. It's, yeah. it's more than that. It's the opportunity to do this. I don't think any network, any TV network, would give me this opportunity, would give me the time to focus on this topic. No. You know, there's I lots and so. lots of tech publications out there, and we've spoken to a lot of them, and they always say the same thing. Yeah, we'd love to focus more on accessibility, but we don't have anyone on staff. And you say, well, why don't you employ someone? Yeah, but we don't want that as our only remit. And it's like, well, you know, disabled people can focus on a number of things, right? We don't, we don't have to talk about yeah. you know, disability all the time. We, you know, a disabled reporter could talk about the mainstream stuff too, but obviously bring an extra level of perspective to it that benefits... I can't remember the numbers, but it, it, the, the number of people who are disabled in our world is huge and growing. Yeah. And more and more and more people are realizing that you can even be temporarily disabled. You know, you could, you could have a temporary, breaking your leg would yeah, put you in exactly. that position for a while. And, you know, it, it, what I think has helped me in this whole world of, of technology, um, especially in the conversations I had, when I started out, when I think back to when I started out doing this, when I went into my boss at my previous job and said, I've got an idea for a radio show. I think we should talk about technology. And, you know, all I got was, yeah, yeah, right. And that, yeah. that, that was pretty much it for about, you know, the first half hour of that meeting. And I thought, no, there's something in this. And I was coming to it at that time with a simple mission, which was, 
look, there's lots and lots of mainstream solutions out there and more are growing with the iPhone coming out at the time and it becoming more accessible through voiceover being added to it and other features coming later. I realized very quickly that there's a mainstream alternative to a lot of the specialist tech that was out there. And at that time, you're talking about Nokia's with talks on them. So basically right. a mainstream yes. solution, but with a bolt on. And that was the problem. Everything had a bolt on to it. So PCs had JAWS. And Max had, if you go back far enough, you had Outspoken and HAL and all the other ones that came along. And all that stuff that was on these computers, on Macs and on PCs. And on the phone side, you had these bolt-ons. And, you know, they weren't very good. They were okay, and don't get me wrong, they did give people access, but they weren't as good as what could be. And the focus then was starting to shift. And, you know, Apple certainly, as we all know, led the charge on that. And um, I just thought we should be talking about this stuff. Now, of course, zoom forward mm, years. and um, How many? <laughs> so many. <laughs> zoom forward a few years. And, you know, I'm in a different place because my vision has gone considerably worse, as is yours. Yes. And we know that the, the technology we maybe shied away from. I remember you and I, when we started doing the old show, we used to say, we, we don't really do enough on Braille. Because we don't really know much about Braille. So we don't use it. We don't really get into that world. I didn't even know what a 40-cell Braille display meant. No. And no. I was happy to admit that. I didn't know this, but I wanted people on the show who did. And then I got into that world of realising that this was a problem. And then, of course, as you get older, you start to realise as your parents get older, my dad's got Parkinson's now, so he's living with that. I've got this essential tremor, which is not essential to me. I know I love saying that, but it's true. Um, and... You know, it's kind of woken me up to the multiple disabilities and oh, the other woke. disabilities. I've become <laughs> woke to disability. Well done, you. It's um, about time. And I thought, you know, we need to talk about this on a wider scale. And, you know, AMI-TV seems like the perfect place, right? Because a lot of blind people will be here on AMI-audio listening to this. And it seems appropriate that we kind of diverge the two shows a little bit. And actually it made sense that Double Tap is for blind people because we're on an audio show. We're on an audio network. It makes sense. And, you know, the, the pan-disability approach focuses on television. And that is basically how we ended up with Access Tech Live. You know, and it seems like the whole thing has been building. To, it, it, it's almost as if we'd planned this. No one did, <laughs> but we planned. <laughs> yes. It's like we planned it. And it, that's what I think feels so good. And it feels like it's the right time because there are so many advances. And I, I you know, just even in initial research, I am learning about so many things I did not even know about when it comes to this. And this is the other part of it. I'm learning so much and I love that. I absolutely love hearing other people's perspectives and stories and technology I didn't even know about. You yeah. know, like autonomous wheelchairs. Uh, that's an incredible idea, right? Is or, that a thing? Yeah, that's a thing. Wow. You know, and I, I think about someone who's blind, right, who might be in a wheelchair and thinking, hmm. That could be useful. I think about me getting older, thinking about I've always wanted a scooter. I know this is terrible, but I love these mobility scooters. I just like, I want one of those. I want to have a shot on one. And, you know, when I'm old and, you know, my legs don't work properly anymore, I'm going to be thinking, hey, you know, maybe I can get one of these. But I'm terrified because I can't go in one because no, yeah, you can't I see, knock people don't down. break it to you. No, that's exactly. right. You need a smart rascal. I mean, that's the truth. We've all got an ambition. And that's mine. <laughs> that's mine. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, yeah. But anyway, uh, Access to it Live is on every Thursday on AMI TV at 12 noon Eastern. And uh, yeah, next week is going to be uh, just as wild because we've got so many, so many stories breaking next week. Um, I want to kick off, though, because we do have some breaking news breaking here news. of our own. Breaking Hooray. news. We do. And it's uh, in relation to Audible Sync on the Humanware Victor Reader Stream <gasps> 3. Yes. Uh, we've got an update for you on this because uh, the wonderful Lucy Begley over at Humanware has been in touch with us and she is wonderful. She's been keeping us up to date on everything. And the company has issued this statement that we've just got in. It says, we are working in collaboration with Audible. The last update we've received is that they will deliver us a version of their Audible Sync with MTP support by end of October at which point it would be possible for us to build the remainder of the infrastructure required on the Stream 3 for our release of 1.3, version 1.3, in quarter one of 2024, barring any major issues. So that means we now have confirmation that Audible Sync will work with the new Victor Reader Stream 3 using this new protocol uh, by uh, quarter one of 2024. Basically, the uh, application is being updated to support that, on Amazon's or Audible's side, and humanware now are going to do the work to build in that infrastructure to the stream. So that is a result, and it at is. least we now know that that Audible support is coming. So I know a lot of people were worried about that, concerned about it. It may have held people off buying it. It kind of held me off a little bit, knowing yes. now that's coming. Um, you know, what's quarter one of 24? That's not far away, really, is it? I mean, it's not a few months, right? No, we're so, hurtling towards it, yeah. yeah so, really I mean, yeah, kudos to um, Humanware and Audible, for that matter, as yeah. well, for actually getting together, getting that sorted. And, of course, to everyone who made their feelings known on how they felt about this missing functionality. So, uh, yeah, worked out in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. And uh, thank you to Lucy Begley for uh, getting in touch with me about that. And also a huge thank you to Humanware as well for keeping us up to date on this. Uh, I know there's some bugs and issues, and some of you have been reporting these to me on email. Um, some of the emails you've sent in regarding this, I forwarded on to, without your names, obviously, but I forwarded them on to Humanware for uh, their information because, uh, you know, we really got to make sure that we work with these companies. I don't want to see any company being slaughtered in the specialist space because I feel, you know, feedback is important. And I think constructive feedback is important, obviously. Um, but, you know, doing anyone down in this space doesn't really work for me because I know from my own experience, I know that people in our world, and especially when it comes to the specialist world, it, 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 take humanware, right? It's a fairly niche company and it's dealing with products in a niche way. If you're coming on and you're saying this product is the worst ever and people are buying on that decision, you might be giving the wrong information. So I like to be 100% sure before we start publicly <laughs> slaughtering companies that we know of the facts behind them. So that's why I always like to forward the feedback on. But do know that your comments are being heard and being heard by the right people. I think that's more important than anything else. But yeah, good to, good to know that human we are working on that. Can I just add on the same sort of theme? I've been seeing so much um, backlash lately at Be My Eyes, uh, specifically Be My AI, about the new um, censorship or privacy that's coming up. So now it will not tell, most of the time, it won't tell you any details about uh, images with any faces in there. 
um, it will say, you know, for privacy reasons, this cannot be processed. And a lot of people are really, really angry about this. And they're saying now, I've seen comments such as, oh, now this this app is now junk. And, you know, I've, I've, I've um, emailed them very severely with my thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's not be my eyes fault. This is an open AI uh, decision or a switch, if you like. Um, now, Mike did mention when we spoke to him that he's he's trying to find a workaround for this issue. They are aware of it. And by all means, get in touch and say, hey, this is an issue for me. I really like using it for this reason. Um, but, you know, at the same time, be mindful that this isn't a decision that be my eyes have made. I'm not sticking up for any company per se, but you're, you're, I see so much venom spat at the wrong direction to be honest yeah and also and, yeah you're right but you're right to mention this because it isn't be my eyes fault this has nothing to do with them they are working off of the rules set down and laid down by OpenAI. and also it's important to say by various jurisdictions around the world this is not uh, exclusive to one country or indeed a world problem right this is this is individual territories making decisions on based on their own privacy laws so there's a lot to navigate here but like you say, this is something that Be My Eyes are working on, and that will be coming up on tomorrow's Express because we do, uh, we are actually featuring a story on that on the Express tomorrow. Oh, so excellent! Make sure you listen out for that because you're right. This is something that's come up quite a bit um, recently. I also want to mention um, because we're getting a bit more information now about uh, from you know as you as you do right after the Apple event, more information comes out. And uh, remember, I was telling you on the show with Michael that the new AirPods Pro twos. If you want the USB-C version, you still have to buy the whole package. You can't just buy a case and then put your old AirPods into it. You've got yes. to buy the new AirPods with, you know, it's basically junk the old ones, or I'd guess trade them in. I don't know if you can do that. Um, but the reason for that is because they are actually a different model. And there's a few extra features, tiny little things they've done. Apparently dust resistance is one that they've improved <gasps> upon in this. Oh, I love that. That's I a can great take them feature. To the beach. Yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> and I, I recommend you try that. Um, but also, there's a feature there for uh, Vision Pro lossless audio. Um, talk about getting ahead of yourselves. Uh, <laughs> Vision Pro is even out yet. But yeah, you, the, these are going to support Vision Pro lossless audio. Now, of course, the first question everyone asks is, oh, they now support lossless audio. No, they don't. They support Vision Pro lossless audio so these are built ready for vision pro which feels a little bit cart before the horse but okay um oh, this is what apple do they're always there's always a long-term plan here so yeah. they've actually produced invented a new protocol purely for the vision pro which is not only lossless but low latency um, That's right. so specifically yes. for that spatial audio which is so important for the vision pro yeah i, I saw that as well that these uh, USB-C version of the AirPods actually have um, new software and hardware built in. That, but yeah, you you wouldn't notice that unless you got the Vision Pro. So how many no. people would notice? Nobody at the minute. It's actually quite clever if you think about it because it gets it in place so that they don't have to then issue another new set. Although I would imagine by the time AirPods, or sorry, Vision Pro comes out, AirPods will get an update to three. So I don't know. We'll see. But uh, anyway, that is where we're at. So uh, that's why that's the case. Also, um, this is an interesting one. So the 19 or was it $20 uh, AirPods that you buy, the, the wired ones, which you can still buy, 
Uh, $20 uh, USB-C now, of course, earpods that you can buy, uh, will also support lossless on your iPhone. Um, again, I'm kind of like, okay, that I would have thought they would have done that anyway, actually. But also, would you really want to sit and listen to lossless audio on those? I mean, I know they're okay. Don't get me wrong, the audio is fine off them, but I wouldn't say they're AirPod quality. I would say that most people won't even notice the difference between high quality compression and lossless anyway, to I be honest. With that. If yeah. you had. Uh, look, if you want high quality audio file, lossless audio, then you, you're going to have the, um, what are they called, the Air Maxis headphones or something like that. Something yeah. better than AirPods, as it were. But hey ho, all good. Yeah, it's funny. I, I know a lot of people love to talk about high quality audio, and there's people who will sit and tell you that they can, you know, discern between 24 kilohertz or oh, all this nonsense. And you think, yeah, but really? Really? Can you? Can you really? Mm. I, I'm I sure some people out there can. There's some people with perfect pitch, and, and some people can hear a hiss from a thousand miles. But I think it's like I, people I who buy super high quality meat and tell you. I had a friend, right? I, would, I went to a house one evening, and they went on and on about how this meat was the finest meat, and the potatoes were from the finest place, and you know you won't get this in a supermarket, and yada yada. And then they came around to our house, and I said I did exactly the same thing when cooking this meal. Uh, but what I didn't, uh, and I just replaced all the boxes with the high quality boxes. But I actually gave them the cheapest stuff, and they did not know the difference at all. They were like, "Oh, this is the best meal I've never eaten. Anything as good as this." And I'm like, "I mean, don't get me wrong. I didn't fish out of the bins, but you well, know, it was <laughs> it was out of tins. <laughs> but you know, it just kind of proved the point, right? It's like, yeah, I don't. I'm I'm not always up on that. Um, okay, look, we do need to get some feedback. Some great uh, questions and comments coming in. Also coming up. Andrea Voss is here from, Le- well, she's not from Lego. Andrea Voss is from CNIB. <laughs> they've uh, done a partnership with the Lego Foundation, and uh, they've actually been providing the Lego Braille brick sets to kids since 2021 uh, in a partnership, but uh, are now selling it through the CNIB of the Smart Life store. So we'll hear from Andrea Voss a bit later on that partnership. First, though, uh, to some emails and voicemails. And um, I want to mention uh, an Angela, who got in touch with us. Now, Angela... Uh, you might remember I was kind of asking Angela through the show about her experience because Angela's in a wheelchair, she's visually impaired, and I was asking her how she was getting on and how she was getting around. And also we were talking one day, if you remember, about um, the whole kind of being pushed around, being pulled around as we get often. Yes. But what does it feel like for someone like Angela who's in a position where she's in a wheelchair? Does she ever get you know the handles grabbed and she's just pushed or pulled somewhere like a piece of furniture? This is her response. Hi, Stephen and John. I'm just listening to... Uh... Uh, what you guys thought about my response uh, to Angela, again, uh, about uh, being uh, treated like furniture. And I'm, I'm loving it. I wanted to say something to what you guys were just talking about, that uh, I have been pushed at, uh, physically moved, even by medical professionals here in the Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, where I'm at. There's a hospital. Oh, man, they are so inconsiderate of disabled people. They will just physically, they won't even ask, they will just physically move you out of the way. These are medical people that are supposed to know better. They are so dumb. (laughs) All right. (laughs) See you later. Bye. (laughs) I like that sign off. They're so dumb, but absolutely true. There's something just about you know, common courtesy. It doesn't matter if you're medically trained or not. Just being aware of another person. It, it, it's just, for me, it reinforces that, that perspective that you're not actually real people. 
Do you ever watch the movie Patch Adams? Did you ever see that with Robin Williams? Uh, uh, I've seen clips of it. I've never watched it the whole way through. I remember in that movie, because I think it's based on a true story. I think, I mean, loosely based on a true story. Yeah. But, you know, one of the things about it was he goes in as a junior doctor and they're all standing around the patient and they're explaining all the medical conditions. And he says, can I just ask one question? What's your name? And the woman just looks up at him as if to say, no one's ever asked me that in here. Mm, and it's, yeah. I think that there's a lot of dehumanization goes on by doctors that they're so medically minded that they just, there's no human aspect to what they do. And that's something that you know, is sad, you know, and it's, it, it, we have had this experience. My wife has had it. I know you've had it. Yeah. I've had it where you go into the waiting room or, or you know, the, the, you sit down in the nurse's room and she'll ask you how much you can see, or she'll say, can you read the board? And, you know, I told you the story of my friend who took out both her artificial eyes and pointed them at the screen and said, <laughs> nope, still can't see it. And which is an nearly fainted. But it just, you know, it's like they're just not listening, you know. But I don't know how you break through that. I don't know if medical people are just medical people like that or whether we just need to try and humanise them a bit. I suppose they deal with very serious things, right? So a part of me feels maybe we should just let them get on with it. But I do take your point, Angela. I do take your point. It's very dehumanizing when that happens. And no one should be grabbing a wheelchair. Uh, unless, like me, I had a girlfriend once who was in a wheelchair and she would guide me because through that. So, you know, that's different. She's uh -huh. guiding me. It's beautiful. Um, thank you, Angela, for that. Michael got in touch. I've been looking for recommendations for a new backpack for a while. Still haven't made my mind up, by the way. I know lots of you have been getting in touch with your suggestions. There are so many options. I don't know. I can't pick one. <laughs> I'm um, a I just buy everything, I know. Uh, but here's Michael's idea. Hello, Double Tappers. I first want to say that I always enjoy your show and to keep up the great work. I always love the banter and it is always a good laugh during my work day. You both have been talking about backpacks on the show and I have one that I always recommend to people, even if it may be a bit much for some. This backpack is called the Swiss Gear Venga Ibex 17-inch laptop backpack and it is amazing. I like to carry all of my tech with me whenever I go places. This includes just around Austin, but it is really handy when I travel. This backpack has a compartment where I carry my 17-inch gaming laptop and my 16-inch MacBook Pro in a protective sleeve. Wow. There is another compartment where I keep my tablet, headphones and other devices, which could include a Braille display. I also can fit all of the power charges and other things I may need for the trip I'm taking. The only exception is the 240-watt gaming laptop brick that just goes in my suitcase. <laughs> this backpack has so much room that I have been able to remove everything and store my bowling ball and bowling shoes comfortably, so it can hold a lot. What? <laughs> this backpack also has a hard bottom, so it can stand flat and not damage items inside. It has a very nice handle and back cushioning for comfort. The surprising thing is that this bag isn't very expensive compared to what it can do. Here in the US, this bag is around $100, but I'm not sure about other locales. I have owned two of these since 2016 and the first one only had to be replaced because a strap was caught and tore while in an aeroplane. Nothing was damaged on the actual backpack. I hope you all enjoy. Please let me know if you have any questions. From Michael. Thank you, Michael. Wow. A bowling oh, ball? I mean, if it... I, I know. <laughs> How big are you, Michael? Why are you carrying a bowling a lot, ball A display? lot of strength. That's, uh, <laughs> this guy goes to the gym. Oh, he's so cool. I, you know what? I'm going to treat myself to a nice backpack. I've never had one. I've always had, I'll be honest, I've always had sort of the kid's school uh, hand-me-downs. Because <laughs> usually I'm just storing cables and there are thousand USB cables or Ethernet cables. Yeah. Um, yeah, so a lot of mine are just Hello Kitty or something. Um, <laughs> but you know what? 
I'm going to treat myself. And that sounds really good. I like the hard bottom, obviously. Who Off. doesn't? Yep. That's that's really good for when you want to rummage around and you can just stand the thing up. Um, yeah, I'm, I am going to treat myself. A lot of the time, <laughs> wow, I just use a black bin bag. <laughs> I just throw that <sighs> Yeah, come on, Sean. I am such a show up, honestly. That is ridiculous. But oh no, you should get one. Just get yourself a nice one. And it sounds like you don't have to spend as much. I, I think that's the thing, right? You can obviously get cheaper ones. I, I used to buy the cheaper ones from Amazon. Uh, you know, no-name brands. And they were okay, but usually they tear very quickly. And obviously, if you've got expensive kit in there, you think to yourself, right, I spend all this money on I spent two and a half grand, I think it was, on that MacBook Pro. Uh, carting yeah. that around in a bin bag. You know, it's like, it doesn't feel right to me, you know? it's a free spirit i look at it like i'm um, the hippie of the tech world or very very cheap i think that's probably more <laughs> correct uh right pete's been in touch regarding your issues with edge and unconfirmed files hi all sean in particular last time i had this which i think may have been getting can you see me i found a quick tip online make a note of the file name when the file downloads then go to explorer and find the file in downloads or wherever you direct downloads to Press F2 to change the name, which will be some nonsense, which I can't remember, to the correct file name. If I have this correct, Robert will be an annoying and slightly creepy sibling of your parent. Hope that helps and still works. Pete. <laughs> wow. Okay. Bob's your uncle. I got it. Okay. So, um, okay. Uh, yeah, I get you. So when you, when, and it was, can you see me? So if you try and download the app from can you see me dot app, the website, if you're using Edge, it will say, hey, this is an uncommon file, meaning not a lot of people download it, apparently. And it will actually block you from running that file or even downloading it. But it does seem, if you go to your downloads folder, to have some sort of junk, as you said rightly, some sort of junk file there. So if I rename that to can you see me.exe, for example, then it should still run. It's mm. just... I will definitely try that out. Thank you so much. Because the other way to do it, and I've been through all the guides, doing it through settings and, and through the download section of Edge, I don't think it's accessible because you need to right-click on a button that I cannot find with any screen reader. It doesn't seem to read it out at all. So I will definitely try that out. Thank you. I did the control J to take me to downloads. That's right, yes. And then I right-clicked on that while using the the applications key and then i just said mark this file as safe i think it was or keep was it oh no i didn't i was yeah it was it was keep i think you can there do is either a keep. Or. that's right yes but th th it seems to be like a multi-stage thing you do keep and uh, maybe that's how you keep the the junk file as, as to rename maybe that's the reason but there's something else after that because i did do the keep but it didn't still allow me to download the file mm. normally um, I had to, I just, in the end, I gave up, installed Chrome, downloaded it straight away, not a problem. Okay. Uh, listen, we'll take a break. We'll come back. More of your comments and Andrea Voss on the other side of this from CNIB. This is Double Tap from AMI Audio. Email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. Call us 877 803 4567 and find us on social media on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air and now on Mastodon at Double Tap. So uh, I bought a new keyboard, Sean. I know... What Stephen bought this what? week? No, I didn't what? buy it this week. That's not actually true. What Stephen bought oh. three, four weeks ago, maybe, I can't remember, maybe a month. Yeah, but have you just only now opened the box? Yes. Ah, yes, I've well, only that now just... That so, counts. Yeah, it should be unboxing with Stephen five months after buying. 
<laughs> Why? Why are you? What was going on? Hang on. So what were you? What were you using? MX keys. So you know I've got the MX keys, and I love yes. the MX keys. But I, I have do. to say I'm having a bit of an issue when it comes to my PC. It just will lose connection with it all the time. And I'm sure there's a way of fixing it, but I always get time. So I thought, well, tell you what, I really loved my Logitech G915 keyboard, which is definitely built more for PCs than any other. It can work with Mac and it can work with other devices, but I think it is really built for the PC. Uh, the key layout and all the rest just seems to be more PC friendly. So I was, uh, I had one. Um, Slight issue, because this was the one, if you remember, I told you that the keys fell off, or a oh, number uh, of, one or two keys uh, had fallen uh, off. Uh, let me let me stop you there uh, before yep, yep, we yep, get yep, letters yep. from Logitech. The keys just didn't spontaneously fall <laughs> off. I believe you poured it out from the bottom of a teetering stack of tech and just <laughs> scraped all the keys off that keyboard. Not all of them. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> that, came, that came later. So when I dropped it on its face... Oh. Uh... You know, at the corner of a table where it bounced off? Yes. That's when the rest of the keys fell off. Ah. And, um, okay. yeah, I still can't find most of them. So I thought, that, I think this keyboard is done. I think I've had a good run with it. <laughs> Sounds like it. I think this poor thing needs to just rest now. In the <laughs> it's graveyard. got a Q key on it, so you're a bit <laughs> stuck. Yes. That's right. Yeah, all my keys were the only one. The only ones I could find were the ones with the bump ons on it. I don't know why that is. It's kind of ironic in a way. But anyway, I so I decided, yeah, time to get something else. So I've bought this one, which is the same keyboard as the Logitech G915, but it has the letters TKL after its name. What does that mean, Sean Priest? <gasps> Competition uh, time. T TKL. TKL. So it's the same keyboard. But there is a difference. There is a TKL. notable difference with this keyboard. Two keys left. Uh, oh, you're not far. You're not far. Really? Oh, okay. Um, total keyboard love. I don't know. Give me a clue. Total keyboard loss. That was the other one. <laughs> no, this one is this one is still functioning. Uh, no, ten key less. Take TKL. 10 keyless. So that's what this means, right? It basically means you don't have the number pad. That's the bottom line. Uh, the number pad is not there on this, so they call Apparently it. Apparently, that's a selling point. That's a, that's now a selling point. Yeah, it's like in when you get a hotel room and they say, "Oh, you don't have a window," but you know, it makes it nicer at night, right? You don't have to worry about any light getting yeah. in. That's owl. That's an owl room. One that's window right. less. Yes. Okay. Thank you. That's that's ridiculous. Why would you? Uh, okay, you love the number pad though. Well, not. I don't use it so much on the PC. So I'm so used to using the PC laptop, especially with the laptop keys. You don't have a numpad on, on most of them. So I'm kind of used to that. Whereas on the Mac, I do really love the numpad for numpad commander, and I use it all the time, but not so much on the PC. So I thought, well, it makes sense. Then I have two computer keyboards next to each other that aren't huge. So, uh, yeah, I now have this, and it's really nice. Hang Plugged on. in the Logitech dongle and uh, no. instantly connected, and Wait. life was great. What? No, I've gone Columbo again. Here we go. The number pad consists of more than 10 keys. 0, 1 to 9. Plus, you've got the divide, you've got the asterisk, you've got the enter. Thank you. You've got the numlock key. And and other stuff, I expect. What? And other stuff, yeah. <laughs> and other keys. Okay. All right. I'll let that slide. You got no answer to that then? No. Well, what do you want me to tell you? I mean, that's just weird. Well, it should be more than 10 keys. It should be like 
Uh, I, I don't run the show here. I don't know. Oh, okay, you do run the show here. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but not not okay. at Logitech. No, so okay. you know, I just have to go with what okay, they tell, tell me. Okay, tell us, tell us about the. Now, I tell you what, I'm not worried about the TKL as much, although that is absolutely ridiculous to make a point that it's got no numpad. Then it should be a laptop style keyboard. It should be in the description. So don't make a thing of it. It's not a good thing, TKL. But um, the G gets me. I whenever I hear that, I just assume gaming keyboard oh that's what this is without a shadow of a doubt this is a gaming keyboard there is one other difference here uh with this keyboard that the uh the larger one the non-tkl one is uh also known as full-size keyboard um tkm s full-size fsk that's it you've got tkl or fsk this isn't confusing at all but yeah on the other one on the g915 the one thing i didn't like about it was down the left hand side to the left of you know tab and shift and and uh, caps lock and all uh-huh. that, you had a five function rows, uh, five function keys down the left hand side. Now the problem with that was the bottom left key on the keyboard was there for F five, not ideal when you record your oh, episodes in a browser and hit and reload is refresh. not good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that was one thing I didn't like. The TKL doesn't have that, thank goodness. But what it does also have, and I'm seeing this more and more, but at the top right, you've got a fantastic volume rocker that just works really well. You've got a more silicon type play, pause, media keys next and back. And also Never you've got them. four keys on the left. I think one's for brightness. There's another one for Bluetooth. And the brightness is for the keyboard, obviously. Uh, to adjust oh, the brightness yeah. and you can have all these lights flashing mm-hmm. and have whatever you want i just turned all that off but um no it's a really it's actually a really nice keyboard i think i much prefer this one it's much more certainly more portable although i will be getting a case for it if i'm taking it anywhere because we don't want to repeat it last time no so uh yeah i mean and yes just to be very clear i'm not suggesting that the keys fall off easily because they don't but if you do bash it off a table they will. Um, I think even Logitech would admit that's that's kind of beyond their control. Stephen Scott drop test. Yes, yeah, exactly. Taken to extreme. Let's see okay, what happens. Cool. I I I I very rarely use any of those extra buttons. Mm. You know the the media buttons, for example, or a button to start your browser. On a keyboard, you just run off muscle memory. So maybe. Yeah. Yeah, Shortcut keys know. can be a problem as well sometimes. I know you've just got into that as well, but with, with you know with the mm-hmm. Logitech MS keys, but I think sometimes you just forget what it, what it is because you're so used to finding other ways. You've got your own navigation That's right. way of doing it. Before you remember there is a key for that, you've already mm-hmm. done the keyboard shortcut for that. Yeah. So you've already done it. i got to say, on the MX keys, I love it, but the lock computer key is in the top right of the numpad, yes. right next to the application key. And the amount of times I accidentally hit that and locked it, oh, it drives me crazy. Uh, I fixed my problem. Do you remember I told you about my Lenovo ThinkPad? I was having a problem because I couldn't get the applications key to work. just wouldn't work. Yes, yes. And I searched online. There was loads of great ideas like reset the driver and delete everything and start reset your whole computer. And I thought, I'm not doing Turn all that. Turn it off and on again. Yes. Yeah, and I thought, I'm not doing all that. So I downloaded Chart Keys, which is the app I would automatically go to. And this was the app that told me that it couldn't detect what that key was. It would I could press the key and it would identify it, but then it would say it didn't know what it was. It couldn't essentially map anything to it. So I thought, hmm, mm. that's a bit weird. So then I delved into Microsoft Power Toys oh. and its keyboard manager. And we got it. We got it sussed. It knew what the key was and it was able to map it to an application key. And funnily enough, I actually thought it was an application key. So it was almost like I was telling the computer something and it was going, 
Oh, yeah, that's right. That should be right. Yeah. Okay, on with your day. But so it's not uh, working. <laughs> it's working great now. Working brilliant. So, yeah, that, that's a great little tool, actually. There's, there's, I've not really delved enough, but Microsoft Power Toys, which is an add-on you would buy, not buy, but get from the Microsoft Store. Yep. Well worth checking out. We, we should do something on it. I know we had, when we've got Robin Christofferson on, I know he loves Power Toys. Um, yeah. So we should maybe get him on to talk about that in more detail at some point, because there, there seems to be a lot of good stuff in there. How accessible did you find the, the Power Toys keyboard mapping, though? Was it totally accessible? Oh, totally, it? yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's just a, it's a very good. similar to Sharp Keys, although, well, it is actually, because basically you've got a drop-down box. There is an option where you can auto-detect the key, but the problem is once you're in that box, you can't get out of it with a screen reader because it's inside a box that's uh, yes. capturing the key deliberately. Yes. So getting out of it is a bit of a challenge. Uh, this is where our interaction mode is quite handy on the Mac, because if you get locked in something, you can get out of it. Um, but oh, of course, you don't get that on a on a PC. No, so, you got to use the mouse. Yeah, that's right. So you you can either you could either just click the mouse somewhere and it will just draw focus away and bring you back. That's one way of doing it, I suppose. Or get Ira to do it. Um, I do love Ira. <laughs> I just got Ira <laughs> doing true. everything. It's terrible, poor Ira. But um, that's one op- other option. But no, you can just go through the list if you can identify the key um, that you want to change. Then, you know, let's say you wanted to change the Grove key. You can just find that in the list and then you can tab to what you want the key to be. And again, it's a drop down. And if you said insert, you just hit I for insert and it will find it. I mean, it was actually a lot easier than sharp keys in some ways. So sounds it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I'll, I'll do a piece that. on it. I'll, I'll check it out. I think you'd like I, I can You can remap your whole keyboard now, I can tell. <laughs> I still like the Logitech Options uh, Plus app. It still works for things like that. Um, still, accessibility isn't great, but hopefully that's being worked on. But um, mm. you can do it in Logitech Options as well. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, actually. I wonder if you could change those keys in there. Hmm. I guess you can, but you'd have to identify what they are. That's the problem. They'll have some uh, weird yeah, well, it's, it's, it's limited to the keys that Logitech allow you to change. For example, on the MX keys, it's only you can change uh, all the custom all the function keys mm. and plus the numbers uh, all the the row above the number pad um but you can't change like the control keys or oh right. or you know you, it's just the ones it makes available to you so there are limitations so we talked last week about lego and of course the partnership and then we talked about be my eyes being involved as well now you can get support through the lego foundation on the Be My Eyes app through specialist support, which is fantastic. CNIB in Canada are selling the sets, and I spoke to Andrea Voss earlier in the week to learn about their partnership and uh, how it's uh, helped blind children since 2020. We signed a partnership with the Lego Foundation in 2020 because Lego had, or the Lego Foundation had this large philanthropic project that was coming out called the Lego Braille Bricks. And initially, at that stage, we were one of 20 um, countries to participate in the distribution of these Braille brick kits to a defined user group. Um, and the, the idea behind it was to allow for children to become interested at an early age in Braille and to increase Braille literacy around the world. So um, we um, started distributing the bricks in 2020 or 2021, January of 2021, I believe, because we were the second wave of countries. Initially, there were seven, then 13 were added. So 20 altogether. But we um, started to distribute them to vision itinerant teachers 
across the country, and we spoke to school boards and vision programs, and that's how it really all started. I mean, it's a fantastic story, isn't it? Because, of course, we all remember Lego from our childhood and we all know how wonderful Lego is. And it's a very tactile experience anyway for blind children. What makes the Braille Bricks stand out as far as you're concerned? Well, it's interesting because I think for a long time, people associated a Lego piece, especially one with six studs on it. It was very much like a Braille cell. So... Teachers were doctoring the Lego bricks to resemble um, um, Braille letters for some time. And I think in 2011, um, the Danish Association for the Blind, they approached Lego and uh, really planted a seed. And um, so Lego then, you know, this has been a, you know, going on for quite some time, but um, they, they then created the Lego Braille bricks. And what's interesting about it is that although the bricks resemble a, a Braille cell, um, new molds had to be created by Lego <laughs> in order to create these special bricks, which instead of the common amount of studs you would normally see in any kind of Lego package, these are uh, have been created by specialized molds to mimic every Braille letter and number. So that's quite unique. So not only, for example, with the letter A, um, you know, in Braille, be on one of these bricks, but also a printed A is on there, which makes it an inclusive product for learning Braille literacy and also for play, which is, of course, the whole thing behind Lego is learn through play. Well, that's right. And it's interesting because that is exactly how it all began, as you say. And, you know, now we're in a position where uh, we as adults can join in the fun, which is brilliant. But of course, there is that serious message of ensuring that children get access to Braille and literacy through Braille. Uh, this is a topic we talk about on our show a lot. It's a, it's a personal story for me because I grew up at school with low vision, meaning I didn't get access to Braille education because they thought I could see enough to read large print. Turns out I couldn't. Uh, and of course, you don't know that uh, as a child, or at least you can't articulate that properly as a child. Uh, so I got a little bit of support learning grade one Braille, but that was just by chance. Um, where do you stand on this issue? I mean, do you believe that that all children of, of all, uh, and when I say all vision levels, I mean those who are essentially legally blind or low vision should access Braille learning as part of their education? I think so. I think so. Because if somebody is has low vision, let's say, um, and as a child, do we know if that child will sustain that level of vision or will it degrade over time? Or how difficult is it for that child to keep reading this large print? Is there fatigue? Is there strain? Um, so I think it's very important to learn Braille. If you have access to it, you should learn it because being able to read, obviously, we learn literacy, we learn spelling, we learn punctuation. And that's a skill set you have and you foster throughout your entire life. You you do require that. And it's, it's the same for anyone who is blind or sighted. So th is that the CNIB view or is that a Canadian ethos? Because I'm intrigued to know how Canada is responding to this issue across education. You know, are children being taught in those, those positions? I know it's not the case around the world. 
Right. Well, I think that we as a whole are trying to increase Braille literacy. I was just speaking with a colleague the other day, and I believe they were telling me that in 1950, or in around that time, about 50% of the population knew Braille. And now it's less than 10%. And I think we have, you know, some technology to, you know, I don't know, we're not going to thank them for that. But as a result, because there are so many other formats that um, are are accessible, you know, to blind and partially sighted individuals, but we can't lose the idea about learning Braille. Um, it's just a fundamental thing to learn. There's so many reasons why you shouldn't solely rely on technology. You know, I mean, for simple reasons like, what if you don't have your headset? What if, what if you can't listen to the audio of whatever it is you're listening to? Um, if you're in class and a teacher or a professor is teaching a class, wouldn't it be amazing if you could follow along with Braille or refer to your notes in Braille and not have audio played so you can better concentrate um, in the classroom? Or the same goes for a meeting at work. But um, And you can really tell the difference between somebody who is literate and somebody who isn't when they're using like voice recognition software. Um, there's there's just certain skills and certain things about literacy that help us be successful individuals, both at school and at work. A lot of blind people who get in touch with my show get quite irritated by people who uh, talk about literacy in the Braille sense, uh, rather than considering or even acknowledging the uh, the uh, capability that they have with computers and audio. Is there a bit of a battle there that needs to be figured out between these two that perhaps the word literacy maybe gets makes everything a little bit more heated when we talk about people not having literacy because they don't have Braille, but they are perfectly capable using computers? Yes. Well, I think that it's something that it's not to say you can't have many tools in your toolbox. You know, it, it, it's not to say that you shouldn't be using technology because we're very for technology. Um, and it's amazing at all the technology that is available. But I think you have a real tactile, when you learn Braille, there's a real tactile understanding and enforcement or reinforcement of literacy, the way letters are combined, um, spelling, things like that, that sometimes technology can't really replicate. What are the barriers that you've heard about from perhaps teachers, perhaps teachers of visually impaired people? Um, what, what barriers do they put up when you talk about Braille with them? Do, do, they, do they come up with reasons as to why they don't teach children Braille or they prefer not to or move away from it? Because there must be a reason why that, that literacy rate or that Braille teaching rate, I should say, has gone down. Well, you know, I don't know at what point all of a sudden it started to decrease and the decisions were made as to not to teach children Braille. But I think it really is on the rise because when I talk to teachers, I think everyone is encouraging their students to learn Braille. And I think now with the Lego Braille Bricks, it makes it even easier because it's a fun learning through play methodology. So that will... I think we're, we'll see our numbers increase. Certainly, we're driven to do so. But with companies like Lego bringing Braille to the forefront, uh, it's going to be easier in the classroom. And we're, we've distributed so many thousands of kits. Um, well, we have about 2,500 initially. That was 
are our what we were given by the Lego Foundation, both in French and English. So we've worked with um, individual teachers so they can get their kits. Um, there was also a very um, well, it's a pedagogical approach. So there are certain activities to encourage pre-Braille and Braille. The Lego Foundation worked with a couple of consultants from brands to create these activities. So it's really easy to teach Braille literacy with the Lego Braille bricks. And both the teachers, we've um, provided Braille bricks to vision programs across the country. So I, I think that people were more interested in the last you know, decade or so to teach Braille, but I think that's just on the rise and it will increase. And certainly with a tool like the Lego Braille Bricks, it's going to help that along. And making it fun, right? It, yeah. Education should be fun and learning Braille should be fun. And why why not? And this is why I think the, the Lego uh, partnership here in this way is just absolutely fantastic because it is literally building blocks of literacy in this, in this way, which is brilliant. Well, it is fun. And you know, as we said earlier, it's not the only way to learn Braille. Um, but if you are doing a lesson or learning in some way and there, you know, you lose the sense of, of, okay, we're losing this kid. Maybe we have to distract them with something else. Well, you know, you can distract them with the Lego Braille bricks and it, really you don't even know that you're learning because it's so much fun. You know, one of the activities, if I can recall, is uh, build a sandwich. So you would take, for example, uh, a Lego Braille brick that has the letter B on it. So that's your bread. And then you would put that onto the base plate. And then you decide, what else do I want in the sandwich? Do I want lettuce? Do I want, you know, turkey? And you find the corresponding first letter to those words and you build your sandwich. So you're putting, you're clicking your bricks on together. And um, so these are really fun and easy activities make a pizza, just put on Braille bricks all over a base plate so you understand the spatial awareness. And, you know, they really, it starts really slowly and small and it's fun and you don't really realize how much you're learning as you play. I want to take you back to that point about, uh, about Braille learning for a second, because I want to ask you about this. I think that one of the challenges might be, uh, and I would love to get your perspective on this, do you think there's enough data out there at the moment, correct data, uh, that, that gives us a, a sense of where we are when it comes to Braille literacy and about Braille teaching as well? I would love to, you know, I would love to get more data on that. Um, mm. I think we've been talking about 10% for a while, and uh, but I don't, I don't know when that data was actually recorded. Um, it would be nice to get some more stats as to, you know, if the 10% was recorded 15 years ago or 10 years ago, are we still there? Have we done better? You know, is uh, Braille literacy increasing? Um, I do think that there are more people who are teaching Braille and Braille is more accessible now. Um, but I, I, you know, yes, I would love to know what that number is, but I I don't know if we're still at 10%. Maybe we're more. I think it's a great conversation. And I was so glad to speak to Andrea Voss about this and, and get her perspective, Sean, because, of course, Lego is, is the big story. But, you know, really interesting conversation to be had there about Braille literacy. And I've seen this conversation come up time and time again now mm -hmm. uh, on social media, especially around the data around that 10% number. 
is it still relevant? Is that data still relevant or is it that out of date? And it feels as if to me it's that's, that's well out of date because there seems to be so yeah. many more people talking about Braille and certainly seems teaching it. Yeah, exactly. It does seem to be more talked about now but uh yeah cite your sources that's what we need we need to find out um yeah i'm really interested in this to be honest i wasn't quite sure how it would work but those examples she gave there of you know pizzas and making sandwiches and that makes total sense it increases exposure to braille from outside of the classroom which may not always be uh the friendliest of environments sometimes yeah absolutely i'm hungry now i want to go and build my own sandwich and build a pizza base but i don't want to use lego i want to use actual ingredients uh listen we're back tomorrow for the express it returns and do you know what a new voice is going to be appearing on the Express this week. Oh, yeah. Details to follow. Mm, I'm not saying anything. I'm not going to say anything. Not saying anything. Oh, oh no. Uh-huh. Details okay. to follow on the Express tomorrow. Have a good weekend. Bye, Sean. Bye-bye. Thank you. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.